As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm joined now by Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe Devine. Hello, Alex Stewart. Hi, Joe. Hello, it's New Year's Eve as we record this, 2020. The world is, uh, dusty, like in Blade Runner, and it's cold. And also, this is released in five days' time, so it's possible that everything happens in football between now and then. We'll account for that as we move through today's discussion points. Point number one, Media Pro, da-da-da-da-da. Point the rest of the podcast, Sensible Transfers. We asked you listeners to provide us uh, with some suggestions of players that you would like us to discuss. And you very kindly obliged with uh, over 500. Thank you. So we've picked, I don't know, eight, and we'll probably get through four of them. Uh, So it's really refined. That's how you know it's the good stuff. Uh, So for the bulk of the podcast, we'll be discussing that. It's a bit of a reverse of uh, the Sensible Transfers videos that we create. So for those of you who who are aware of those, we focus on clubs um, and who they might want to bring in. So we thought for the podcasts this January, we might focus on players um, and where they might go, be it uh, unsettled players or just players who who are perhaps deserving of a move, look like they might move in the future, etc., etc. So we'll be doing that. But it felt like a good place uh, to start to discuss the Media Pro situation in uh, in Liga in France because that is infecting the market. So we will come to that before we uh, before we move on to discuss the players. By the way, do you like reading about football, Alex? Uh, yeah, I well, I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and do you know where's a good place to do that, Seb? No. That's right. It's the Observer Weekly. <laughs> if you buy, no, it's not. I mean, it is also that. Don't get me wrong. That's a fantastic, fantastic place. Great resource. But an additional choice that you probably should make is the Athletic because it comes out more than once a week. In fact, it doesn't come out because it's online. Is this a good advert? Go to theathletic.com forward slash tifo to enjoy all of the best coverage of football and indeed other sports, hockey. American football. Um, boxing, American football, basketball, baseball, all of the Americas. And I tell you what, I know we've got some knockouts over here in people like uh, David Ornstein, Ollie Kay, Amy Lawrence, etc. But if you know anything about America, the new world, and you read the list of people they've got writing over there, whew, it's enough to blow your hat off, isn't it, Seb? 
Sure is, Joe. Anyway, there's a special offer on at the moment, and it's £1 per week. So visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO and uh, do us a solid, gang. Now, for the sensible transfers, I will leave you in the, the cool hands and the warm embraces of Alex Stewart and Seb stafford Blore. discussing media pro the media pro situation in Liga and Seb I'm going to ask you to talk us through this because it's a huge great big story but also it's going to have a massive impact on the maybe not the January transfer window but certainly the summer transfer window certainly is Joe goodness what a mess this is so as an outline a couple of years ago a Spanish company called media pro agreed to pay 3.2 billion euros over four seasons for the right to show league 1 which would have made it the second most expensive broadcasting contract in Europe uh, in football. And it would have been a 60% increase on the prior deal, which was with Canal Plus. Unfortunately, at the time of recording, MediaPro have paid just 10% of that fee. They've tried since about April and May of, of 2020. Well, last year now, because this is coming out in 2021, isn't it? Happy New Year, everybody. They've been trying since really the beginning of the pandemic to row back on the, the agreement. There have been several quotes around which suggest that uh, the the chairman of MediaPro had been after a 25% reduction in the original contract value from the off. And he, he sort of tried to explain that in a very woolly way related to the kind of the pandemic and the shutdown of restaurants and pubs. And, and none of it really made a lot of sense. Uh, the long and the short of which is that there's a huge shortfall now. Canal Plus are expected to step into the breach and reclaim the contract, but for only 700 million euros a season, which is uh, less than before, less than their previous contract. Also, as time has gone on, really strange things have come out of this story. So MediaPro first became sort of a name in the sports broadcasting rights world in the kind of the lexicon when they tried to do the same, put together a similar deal for Serie A. And it fell through because there were reservations about their inability to prove that they would be able to, to match the funds. They, they, they couldn't show to Serie A's satisfaction that they'd be able to cover the contract. Now, that's you know, a quite an alarming precedent in the first instance. A couple of years down the line, though, what it, it transpires that there wasn't any due diligence done by Liga. Nobody seems to have sought any guarantees over the financial veracity if you were, of um, MediaPro's offer. And from about six months ago, when even sort of stoic, grumpy people like Lyon President Jean-Michel Aulas was calling MediaPro's involvement a blessed day for French football, you had another chairman who sort of speculated, that the Lorraine president, who speculated that this was kind of the moment for French football and all of a sudden the kind of the trend of, of talent being snatched away by English clubs was going to reverse itself. Suddenly, you know, French clubs were going to become the, sort of the apex predator in the market. And all of a sudden, there's absolute chaos for obvious reasons. I mean, French clubs are, at the moment, they're subsisting on government loans anyway. And the hope is that the, that support continues. But if it doesn't, there are quite a few people that speculate that as of about February, March next year, there are going to be clubs in the top flight of French football who can't afford to pay their staff or their players, which is just a, an absolutely desperate situation. 
There are obviously a few clubs who are owned by extremely wealthy individuals. PSG, of course, but Marseille are owned by Frank McCourt, wealthy guy. Uh, nice are owned by the Ineos Corporation, uh, Radcliffe family. But for the rest, it's it's a very, very tenuous future. Because, and obviously, the, the, the thing we're skirting around here is that this has a very, very obvious precedent. You know, in England, this is a the almost the mirror image of the situation with ITV Digital, where a company vastly overestimated the value of package. In that instance, it was the, the Football League. It was what is now the Championship, um, League One and League Two. And what happened is that sort of at the point of purchase, they thought they were kind of pulling off a, almost a coup. In reality, some of the games they broadcast attracted quite literally zero people, zero watchers. They had a, a complete flat line of viewership. And this is exactly the same thing. Um, the price point for the new Media Pro service was it required a 25 euro a month subscription and they needed 4 million subscribers to turn a profit as of October. And this, these figures come from the company themselves. So you might have a little asterisk next to them as of October, they'd only actually acquired 600,000. So from a business model perspective, from a due diligence perspective, from a future of French football perspective, this is an absolute disaster. Well, <laughs> I I don't even know where you start with that. It's just a... no. I mean, I agree. I, the, what I was thinking when you were when you were describing it, Seb, was putting it into context for my viewing habits and imagining if clubs in England who you know to a certain extent are struggling already with a lack of match day income have two of their three revenue streams taken away, include you know the second being broadcasting. Almost, uh, almost certainly in the top five leagues, the 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 biggest contributor to revenue. It, it would be very, very extreme. So it's it's also just really sad as well. I wanted to linger on the point you were making about you know potentially by February, March, um, maybe later in the year, there could be top flight French football clubs that are really, really financially struggling. I mean, that's um, with the backdrop of the pandemic, uh, that is perhaps understandable. But it's certainly not just that to blame, is it? I think I think the thing that I struggle to get over, Joe, is the lack of attention paid to the Serie A precedent. Because if you've had a situation, a really high profile situation, where a new bidder has entered the market, presented a deal that's too good to be true, and then that deal has fallen apart. If another organization, another property, goes to the negotiating table with that same company, yeah. wouldn't you go with some reservations? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you really, really want to know where the money's coming from? Wouldn't you want sort of all the guarantees you could find? It's absolutely staggering. So, I mean, uh, in terms of the impact on uh, the market then, and Alex, I'll come to you for this one. Presumably this means that French talent will be available at a reduced cost as a result of the of the struggles of the clubs. There's a lot of French talent around, isn't there? Do you think there might be a bit of an exodus over the next year or so as a result of this? Yeah, I think, I think short term, that's the main consideration, that because of the success of particularly players like, you know, Kante and, and Mahrez coming to the Premier League, French football became the go-to place to pick up undervalued players and for a short period of time that was viable and then French clubs quickly switched on to their ability to generate these players uh, which will inflect on the second point and started to put their prices up and that's how Lille could afford to get you know almost 80 million for Nicolas Pepe but obviously that's going to be reversed and, and particularly clubs like Lille, Bordeaux, Montpellier, Saint-Étienne these clubs are going to have very, very good players, young players who are going to be available for a lot less than they would have been if French football were more competitive. There is a second wider point, which I think is is of, of greater, longer term interest, 
which is that over the course of the last sort of season, venture capitalist firms or footballing groups like City Football Group have been looking at smaller French clubs with particularly strong academies because obviously there's a trend of clubs to increase their network. So CFG bought, uh, I think it was Troy, there were other clubs on the market. And these clubs with very well-established scouting networks, very, very strong academies, can become kind of factory lines for bigger clubs. And so it's not just in the short term the fact that you'll be able to buy Sven Botman for half the price. It's that some of these smaller clubs, and potentially even Ligue 1 clubs, I'm thinking someone like Angers, for example, who again have a very strong uh, youth development system, they'll become available as purchasable entities. And clubs that are looking to you know, streamline their product development or also to perhaps for English clubs find a way around uh, the the Brexit situation, for example, they'll actually just buy a club. You know, they don't they don't need to go and buy a player. They can they can purchase a whole infrastructure, and I think that's going to see a huge amount of transition in French football. It was already going that way a little bit, but I think that process will be accelerated. Yeah, Alex, tell us more about the the, the low hanging fruit that might be available in, in this market before we move on to discuss some more specific players. You mentioned Sven Botman, but I know there's a, there's a few you've had your eye on. Yeah, I mean you're looking at people like um, Boulay Dyer uh, at Reims, I think, uh, Gennaro at Lyon, Loic Balder, who's a very very good defender at Lyon, he'll be available. Habib Diallo at Strasbourg, and Strasbourg have other talents there as well. People like uh, Anthony Kachi, uh, Mohamed Simakan, Jonathan Bamber at Lille, as well as as Botman. You know, there's a there's a lot of people there, and and even potentially if the ramifications are sufficiently grave, even for larger clubs like Lille, you could see people like Hussein Awa um, moving for a lot less money than perhaps you would have expected. Um, people like Tino Kadaware. You know that France produces really good footballers, and and they're footballers that have had a consistent ability to transition yeah. to the the Premier League. But again, you know, you have to balance this up with the financial position of certain Premier League clubs. And I think perhaps the one grace that French football has is that the rules around transition, the Brexit transition, have changed or are changing by the time this comes out will have changed and so if the process to acquire those players hasn't begun already it will have become more complicated for Premier League clubs so potentially there's some sort of stopgap there that might protect some of those players and some of those clubs but yeah there's, there's a lot of talent in Liga uh, and also League 2 as well so I, th- I think we'll see quite a few inquiries. Okay well when we come back we're going to discuss some specific players that have been suggested by you the listener in the uh, the sensible transfers part of this uh, of this segment so back in a mo. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, so uh, here's some players, uh, and we want to find homes for these players. Uh, so I'm going to start with a suggestion from lots and lots of people, uh, Deli Alley at Tottenham. And of course, Deli Alley has been linked with a move away from Tottenham for about the last six months. It seemed, I mean, I don't remember watching the All or Nothing Tottenham documentary. There seemed to be a bit of a, you know, a sort of gap in the thinking between uh, Deli Ali and Jose Mourinho and according to you know the rumors the reports that appears to have uh, to have widened to the point where he will be potentially leaving so uh, Seb as a Tottenham Hotspur fan I'm going to come to you first just tell me about this because Deli Ali for for a number of years was um uh, you know one of the more exciting players in, in the league the idea of losing him would have been a, a great shame yeah, I mean, Mauricio Pochettino adored Deli Ali, and he also seemed to understand how to get the best out of him. Ali is uh, at his most effective when he's when he plays off Harry Kane. The closer he is to Kane, as, as, a, as, a, as a rule, the more effective he is in games, the more chances he gets, the more opportunities he's able to create. With Mourinho, uh, there's a little bit of a false dawn to start with because uh, he was actually um, he was the one player who really profited from Mourinho's arrival in the yeah. beginning. His tenacity really shone through, didn't I? I remember that goal against Manchester United, that lovely overhead kick. Yeah, well, the little the little flick that um, wrong-footed the defence, but also that little moment again uh, against West Ham on the touchline in uh, Mourinho's first game. Over time, I think what happened is that Mourinho was intent on moving towards a sort of a more transitioning system, you know, a more vertical style of football. And in Ali, he had someone who likes the ball a little bit too much, I think. He didn't move the ball quickly enough. He wasn't aggressive enough with his passing or his running. Uh, he's a bit of a dahlia. And let's be fair, Ali hasn't had a good couple of years. He's he's had a few injuries. There have been a few concerns about you know how many off-the-field projects he's taken on. Uh, he got a little bit happy with the sort of the marketing um, tie-ups and what have you. And he, he, he pulled back on that and, and seemed to refocus himself. But obviously, the last six months... The image really is of a, you know, the impression is of a player who's who's trying a little bit too hard. He has, he's clearly not in Mourinho's thinking in the Premier League. So as a result, he's given the occasional 10-minute opportunity or a Europa League start. And it's almost as if he tries too hard. Whenever he gets the ball, he takes a few too many risks with it. He wants to be too effective. He had a moment against Stoke, which seems to have really scuppered his chances of getting back into the into the mix. He he actually had a really good performance. Tottenham fans voted him man of the match in that game, partly despite Jose Mourinho, I think. But yeah, it was reflective of a decent performance. But unfortunately, he got caught in transition with the ball. Stoke turned over, moved upfield quickly and scored with pretty much the only opportunity of the game. And Mourinho went crazy. Mourinho's thing is to... Not talk about individuals, but then within the same interview, within the same press conference, start digging out Deli Ali, which, you know, maybe maybe it's all part of an elaborate Mourinho tactic to get the best out of the player, but at the moment it doesn't seem that way. Maybe, or maybe he just doesn't talk about uh, individuals unless he doesn't like them and wants them to It go. seems to be that way. I think uh, it's really difficult to be fair about Jersey Mourinho now because we're, we're so informed by past precedent. It's very difficult not to think of Henrik Mkhitaryan, for instance, or Paul Pogba. Uh, so it's very, very difficult to, to be unbiased or to approach that kind of situation with a level head. But it doesn't seem as if there's there's much of a way back for Deli Ali, And I think that's a great shame because I he's a wonderful player. He's also, irrespective of what may or may not have happened over the past 18 months, 
He's done wonderful things for Tottenham. And it's a little bit dispiriting to see the sort of the almost fickle response to his downturn. Because he's a, he's an excellent footballer and he will be again. He's, he's 24 yeah. years old. People behave as if he's 29. 24 years old, he's probably got the uh, the best of his career ahead of him. And there just needs to be a little bit of perseverance from everybody on all sides of this. But uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Yeah, there's a rumour, uh, well, a pretty strong rumour at the moment that, that Maurizio Pochettino is in line for the, the PSG job. Do you think there's any chance that he might look to, to pick up Dele Alli and take him to France? I'd be interested to see it. I, I think Daniel Levy would be resistant. Daniel Levy is not keen on selling Dele Alli. Pochettino loves him. There is a special relationship between manager and player there. He knows how to uh, get the best out of him, certainly. Uh, there's a good personal relationship, which is probably the thing that Dele Alli wants most at the moment, I would have thought. Uh, so, you, I mean, I, maybe you could see a, a, a short-term loan, possibly, until the end of the season, just to sort of get him away from the situation, to see if he could grow into a career at a, a club like that. Whether uh, he really fits the profile of player that the PSG hierarchy want, or want to commit to, given what we just talked about in French football, irrespective of the finances behind uh, that kind of club. I don't know. I mean, it's... Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I'd love to see Pochettino there for that reason, though. I mean, the, the, I'm not sure that Pochettino would either be interested in the sort of player that might interest the club hierarchy. So if the hierarchy were to select him, then presumably they'd be doing doing so with that in mind. I know that the, the traditions of, of hiring managers um slightly more simplified, but nowadays there's extensive interview processes where managers are expected to explain what they would do. And you often hear about managers who had the opportunity to, to, to manage at a club ended up not doing so and explained later in interviews that the reason was the club didn't have the same perspective as then. So if there is an agreement to be made there, I'd be really interested to see how that plays out. I would have thought that that kind of Galacticos light style would um, probably change under Pochettino. I would have thought so. The one thing I'll say is that I, I don't think transfer strategy will bother him too much. During his time at Spurs, Pochettino acted as if he was irritated by the transfer market and frustrated by any questions regarding it. He is a he is a training cones and whistle type of coach. He wants to be on the training ground. He wants to improve players. He wants to work with younger players. I think where the clash might exist in the future is with a couple of players that are in situ, the obvious ones who uh, have possibly been a little bit indulged in the past, um, Jonathan Liu wrote a, an excellent article about that in The Guardian a few days ago, probably a week ago if you're listening to this next week. Um, that was a very confusing sentence. Sorry about that. He wrote the article in late December of 2020. Let's Thank narrow you. that down. There we go. Yeah. But if, 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 for instance, say uh, a superstar player was hoisted on Pochettino against his will or yeah. without him being consulted first. That's, hoisted? Yeah. Foisted? Foisted. Foisted. Foisted is right, isn't it? Yeah, you said hoisted. Yeah, no, that's definitely not hoisted. You don't want anyone being hoisted on anyone else. That would include a winch. That's not. I mean, so I, I had I had a bad sentence and I turned it into a bad paragraph. That's fine. No, we we understand what you're saying. Alas, we've 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 wandered from the Delhi Alley path. Um, Alex, I'm going to come to you now. Now we've heard Delhi Alley's best when he plays closest to Harry Kane. So presumably the best place for him is Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I think everything that Seb has said is is correct. I'm, He's a player who who worked very well when Tottenham had this kind of much more kind of tight control, moving it through spaces quickly, linking up around the box. And 
as Mourinho moved to the transitional style that Seb was talking about, there's, there's less scope for that sort of player. There's less scope for a, a Christian Eriksen, that kind of player as well, which is, you know, one of the reasons he moved off unsuccessfully. I think I think Deli Ali brings undoubted quality. I think Seb's point about his age is really worth making. You know, he's he is a lot younger than he appears to be because he burst onto the yeah. scene as, as such a young man. And so I think the balance here is is Daniel Levy's gonna have a, a longer mm. term view of of the club's future, which will include Mourinho for a period of time, but not in perpetuity, obviously. And so a shorter loan seems like a sensible move because somebody's going to come in after Mourinho and, and Deli Alias is still a genuine asset. I was thinking perhaps, and this this might be a slightly odd one, but but a loan to Atletico Madrid. Because there's two reasons for this. Firstly, Trippier has gone there and and been really successful. I think in Diego Simeone, you've got a, a coach Ooh. that can can nurture a player and establish those kinds of bonds, give a bit of discipline, but also encourage people, which is sort of Pochettino-like in that regard. I also think in terms of how you know Atletico are doing fantastically at the moment, but they're quite reliant on on Suarez, who is obviously getting older, and and João Felix. And the two of them have this sort of, you know, push forward, drop off situation. And and someone like Ali could certainly, I think, facilitate João Felix playing further up the pitch and, and Deli Ali playing off him or likewise off Suarez. I can also see Deli Ali potentially working as a deeper dropping striker alongside someone like that. So I think from a system point of view, it kind of makes sense. From a personal point of view, it makes sense. But I do think a loan is probably the astute move for Spurs at this point in time and also would allow Deli Ali to kind of refresh what he's up to and get some playing time. He's only played 77 Premier League minutes this season, which is a very scant return for a player of his quality. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, if we were considering his departure, OK, perhaps loan or permanent move aside, what are the options within the Premier League? Are there Are there, are there any? I mean... Seb would um, Daniel Levy reluctant as he is to let Deli Ali go now, presumably be even more reluctant to allow him to go to um, to, to a rival team. And also, I would imagine that a player of Deli Ali's quality would would cost too much, or I suppose you know to put it bluntly, be too good to go to a team that wasn't in the top or the big six. Yeah, it's really difficult because Daniel Levy. There are a couple of clubs that Daniel Levy just wouldn't deal with. He won't deal with Chelsea. He obviously won't deal with Arsenal. He would probably deal with Manchester United, but there's no obvious place for Deli Ali in that first eleven. Uh, it just doesn't fit the system. Ditto Manchester City. He would deal with Man City as he did with Carl Walker. There's a relationship between the two clubs, but I don't see that as a fit. Uh, it would. So it would, it's Liverpool then. That's not going to happen either. So it's no, it's really yeah. difficult. I I the point you made earlier is is really important. Mourinho is not going to probably be there in two and a half years' time. I mean, it would be a surprise. I'm not ruling it out, but it would be unlikely. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to uh, burn your bridges with a player that is potentially still three or four years away from his prime. That would be incredibly reckless. And I, So as a result, I, I don't really see a permanent sale. I, I, I see a kind of um, a sort of Ross and Rachel going on a break situation between... Um, between, between... Have you been watching Friends? We, 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 my wife and I do watch Friends, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so mm. because you, you just have to... As long as they're in the same place nothing good seems like it's going to happen. So I think you just have to find a temporary destination. And that Atletico Madrid call is actually really good because it sounds unlikely, but Ali is brilliant in the air as well. 
And you've got some excellent crosses of a ball down there. Um, I know Simeone's star would require a little bit of a physical adjustment, but Kieran Trippier was able to do it. Ali is uh, nuggety and unpleasant in that good Simeone way. He's a little bit of a bastard, and I think Simeone would like that. Um, and he would, from a personality standpoint, he would absolutely fit in that picture. Do you know uh, what always makes me think uh, of, of friends? He already came up in this in this conversation. It's uh, it's um, Simeone, you know, because he reminds me of uh, Magnum PI. What's his name? You know, Richard <laughs> Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like he could play he could play uh, Richard in Friends. Or he could play like any kind of intense and attractive man, whether involved in crime or not. He could do no, it. I, I tell you, he's the um. You know when um when when Joey moves out and Chandler brings in that really creepy roommate that like yes, shrinks that fruit guy, and stuff. Yeah, Simeone uh, could play mix that guy. between the two. That that to tell you, I can't remember his name, but he's an amazing actor. That guy. He he's in Saving Private Ryan. He's in so he's many great. things. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching the. Uh, the he, he's also in um in Fargo the TV series the first season which I'm rewatching at the moment and oh my god that is amazing by the way anyway anyway. Festivities aside, let's move from Deli Alley now uh, on to another player, also 24 years old, and a TIFO favourite. Alex, I'm going to come to you first for this player because you, you've spoken about him at length before. You're a big fan. Um, he, he came from Lille. He's now at Brighton. Yves Basuma, uh, a fantastic player. He's he's great, yeah. Um, I, I think he's been integral to Brighton's... Uh, like Brighton are a weird team, right? I mean, there, there's there's nobody in the Premier League, arguably, who is less lucky than Brighton, um, particularly in terms of mm-hmm. comparing their xG against for their their goals conceded. Um, they are a team who are playing better than their league position would suggest, and and Basuma is is one of a number of players who's who's been really important to that. And Brighton, uh, an interesting team in terms of their recruitment of midfielders, because they've got people there as well, like uh, McAllister. They've got Jakub Moda on loan away at Lech Poznan. That loan's due to finish after this podcast. No, before this podcast comes out, he's another really interesting player. I get so confused with this 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 time of year yeah, as well. No, none of us are dealing with this particularly well, I don't think. It's, um, <laughs> so you know, but Brighton would be loath to le- uh, lose Eve Basuma, um, but it would have a huge impact on their team if if they did. It, it would, but what I'm saying is they they do have good players that that could potentially step in. I think with Basuma, I mean, he's the sort of player, for example, who I think would fit fantastically at Southampton. He has strong defensive ability. He reads the game really well. He's got these kind of nice long limbs that he can affect tackles with. But what's really clever with him is that once he's won the ball, he'll bring it out slightly uh, and then he can either carry it in that kind of Moussa Dembele press resistant way or he can pick a nice long pass. And some of his longer passing into the channels is incredibly impressive. So you're looking for a team that likes quick vertical transitions, a team that presses well, and a team that maybe wants somebody who can be a bit press resistant in possession as well. And I I think there are very few clubs in the Premier League that he wouldn't be able to effectively play for. Well, I was going to say like, uh, Southampton as an example, but do do you, do you think there's another step between that and a top club, or or um, or do you think he? I mean, he th- theoretically, he could move directly to an Arsenal, for example, couldn't he? Yeah, I I I think he's absolutely got the skill set for that, and I I'd think like the, the great yeah. thing in terms of of his uh, 
his personal development. He's now been at Brighton for three seasons, or this is his third season, sorry. And that kind of, you know, with clubs who, who are going to be aware that there's a premium on players who are already in the league, you want to have that backstory. You want to be able to see that somebody has, has consistently performed uh, and been important to a team that, that is good. Playing under an, a, a tactically astute coach like Graham Potter is also very helpful because you know this is a player that can adapt to different systems, who can figure stuff out, who's working with somebody who... You know, I, I always think that's really important. If if you've got a player who's worked with a, with a coach that's very astute, then that player is probably going to be able to adapt to other systems pretty well. So, yeah, I think... I think he could work very well at Arsenal. You know, a, a midfield of him and Partey together could be quite exciting if you're an Arsenal fan. Yeah, absolutely. If you're an Arsenal fan. Also, as you say, he's been at Brighton for a while. He's probably had time to explore all of the tourist attractions like the Bluebell Railway, the Booth Museum of Natural History, and the Brighton Toy and Model Museum. Uh, so- what, what's that? Is it? What's that kind of funny little shopping area in Brighton? Is it the Lanes? Mm, don't know what it's called. I know where what yeah, you're referring there's to. Lots of like little antique shops and sort of hipster print shops and stuff like that. Maybe he likes that. Do you know what the? I think the best uh, little museum in um, in Brighton is. I think there's a, there's a little uh, museum, the history of of sex, and it's fascinating. I went in there because I thought it'd be funny. Came out knowing loads of stuff uh, about the history. Didn't laugh once because it was all just really interesting. So the joke's on me. And visit Brighton. Uh, also, Seb, you mentioned that uh, Basuma would be good at Arsenal. Tell me why you like him there. I just can't. I just I just can't get the image of you. Because you're, you're you're quite a creepy looking person naturally. Like I, that, I, I that's really what? not true. <laughs> that is, you're, 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 what? You're that's very tall, and you know it, it, this comes from a position of love. Not nothing but love on the podcast. But you 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 kind of you you your 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 height does make you a bit. So you sort of you know you're you you've got a sort of mantis like quality. A creepy looking museum. person. I mean, Joe's not. I just no. I think I think this is. It wasn't a dirty sex museum. It was like a. It was a, a, a history of sex museum. It's it's it doesn't matter because you hear sex museum and, and you can't you can't add shades of nuance. I did. To the sex I museum. just did that in my comment. You tried to. You scrambled for a. Sort of scrambling. I, 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 it hey, listen. It's a fascinating a fascinating museum. You should. I feel like you know you in particular, Seb, as a as an incel, you could really that you know find some value in in attending <laughs> the history of sex museum. <laughs> Um, this podcast is threatening to become too much about my joke, uh, so I would like to hear about Eves Basuma at Arsenal, and do you know try to keep your personal insults out of this one? I shall try. So my <laughs> issue with the Arsenal midfield at the moment, uh, Partey aside, because we haven't quite seen enough of him yet, and he's he's been injured, uh, is that uh, there's too much bluster. There's too many faces. There's too many players doing things that they think will play well on TV or to the crowd when supporters are back. There's too much noise. There's too much quote unquote fronting up. There's too much bollocks, basically. And in Basuma, I see someone that has a tangible impact. He's a kind of anti Sabios, anti Xhaka. Uh, and I just, you know, as Alex said, you, you put him alongside Partey, and all of a sudden, that's a very, very stable base. Predominantly because both players do a lot of different things really, really well. I mean, they don't. I don't. I wouldn't say that either of them have one single outstanding attribute. They just have a collection of eight out of ten, nine out of ten attributes, and that's exactly what you want at the base of midfield. And if you, if you, if you were to put those two 
at the base of it, in front of a defence, you could you could probably get away with a little bit of a luxury player ahead of them. And that would be very interesting. Mm, the return of Mesut Ozil, are you suggesting? Probably not him, but, you know, in, in a different time, five years ago, that kind of player. You, you could you could have a little bit of a free hit in that role because so much of your, so many of your bases and boxes are ticked by by that combination it'd be very yeah. exciting i like the sound of it i like the sound of it indeed uh we we've already released our first sensible transfers video at this point um and a player uh suggested for a not dissimilar role at manchester united as wilfred and indeedy i suppose eves basuma could could fit that role as well alex yeah i think i think basuma is like seb says he's he's an all-rounder um i think there are there are certain players who and I'm thinking here of someone like Dennis Sakaria at Borussia Mönchengladbach, who's also had significant problems with injury. They seem to be a defensive midfielder because they have a good ability to shield and tackle and win the ball back. But there is actually a lot more to their game, particularly in transition. And I think Basuma is that. I don't. I don't think he's somebody that you sit in front of a defence just to protect it. I think he works well alongside another player who is similarly good at defending but not necessarily great or a specialist dm in a kind of ndidi and golo kante way but somebody who can bring enough energy in that position to make a nuisance of themselves and win the ball back sometimes but then crucially affect those quick transitions and i think that's why he works well alongside someone like parte because they sort of complement each other. They're both good at lots of the same sort of things, and maybe one is slightly better at one thing and one is slightly better at another. He's not an out-and-out DM, though. No, okay. Um, well, anyway, thanks to Sir Sage for uh, suggesting Eves Basuma. Hopefully that uh, satiates your your um, desire. Um, let's move on to to Diego Costa. Interesting one here. Free agent, uh, having mutually agreed to terminate his contract with uh, Atletico Madrid, with six months remaining, uh, doesn't really score goals anymore, writes Seb. Nine in the league since the beginning of 2018, 12 in total since rejoining. 32 years old, Diego Costa, uh, and of course we remember him as the terror of the Premier League, terrorising the defences and scoring all, all sorts of... Um, uh, good and uh, I just remember I remember them many of them as being sort of uh, bully goals, but with finesse and style. You know, is that, is that right? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But I, I think that's a player that doesn't really exist anymore. I think he's still occasionally capable of scoring the odd goal, but I think in the main, anybody that sort of pays up to employ him at this stage of his career is going to get a grumpier, uh, less contented player who's a little bit more injury prone. I don't see it. I mean, I. I mean, Chelsea did well, didn't they? They sold him at 30 for 56 million euros. That's a brilliant, brilliant deal. Sold him at just the right time. They also they also bought him at exactly the right time. They bought him yeah. just ahead of his prime, uh, enjoyed his prime, sold him for... I think they actually got a, They made a profit on Diego Costa, which is amazing. Yeah, um, Which is great. And, and they got 52 league goals out of him Absolutely. across three seasons. Absolutely. Which is a fantastic return. An amazing return. And so he was, uh, he was an excellent player at one point, but... I, I can understand uh, the Wolves' connection because of who his agent is and because of oh, George it. Mendes' I'd relationship with Wolves. But well, do, you, do you think, I mean, I know that wouldn't be you know be quite filling the him and his shoes, but do you, that would be exciting, wouldn't it, Seb? I, I, I don't think so because I think you've got a, a group of players at Wolves who broadly all get along. Um, there's a harmony there and Costa is a threat to that harmony. 
Uh, he is also yeah, and also let's take a risk. Let's throw a bit of chaos in. Well, I, I don't yeah. know if I want chaos because I've got a I've got a really nice thing going on with Podence behind um, the forward line with Truore starting to come into a bit of form again. That's true, but I have, I have to say, having watched uh, the game against Manchester United the other evening, uh, I do really think they're missing someone who can score goals. Oh, I, I, I do appreciate with that. the point about harmony. But there's no way that you get away without bringing a striker in. That I agree with, but I just it's the profile of the player that I'd worry about. You've got an 18 year old player right, that okay. you have to give game time to if you want to see the uh, if you want to see a return on your 35 million pound investment. Jimenez is still your feature centre forward. Uh, I don't think I want Diego Costa hanging around for more than. Also, if he's a free transfer, they often command a signing on fee and a massive, massive wage. Uh, which I could yeah. do without having on my books at this particular moment in time, I think. I love this fantasy. You really are in charge of Wolves. <laughs> Just <laughs> for the last few minutes, the way you've described this is, is really that, you know, I can hear the emotion. You you could do without it. Uh, okay, so, so if, if not Wolves, where does a player like Diego Costa go at this point? Because presumably, you know, he wouldn't have um, mutually terminated his contract had he not options. I mean, I, I don't know of any options. I mean, in this bizarre little fantasy, I, I, you could you could make a case for him playing for Sam Allardyce. <laughs> if West Brom were desperate enough to to put up enough money, that's a very interesting fit. Do you think he uh, could come to the, the, the Premier League then? No, not at all. I don't think it would happen, but it would be very interesting. And if, if you could have a selection of um, a selection of player and manager and situation without any other context involved, I think that would work really, really nicely because he's a right pain. And... Yeah he would work in that formation. And it also... I reckon Spurs will get him. No, I don't think Spurs need him. Um, I, don't, I also don't think that, um, that Daniel Levy would, having already done a short-term deal for Gareth Bale for quite a lot of money, yeah, I don't true. think he's going to do another one. And, and also, um, Vinicius is at Spurs as well. And he's, um, he's a more valuable player at the moment at this stage of his career. Put it this way then, Alex. You're playing football manager. Diego Costa is a free agent. What kind of club would you have to be managing to consider that? Uh, not a very good one. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, but, so a not very good one, but with enough money. But, uh, it, it, yeah. I, 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 if I'm being really cynical, uh, I think his options are probably now at the age of 31 with, you know, he hasn't had a season where he's hit, you know, goals plus assists minus penalty kicks. 0.5 per 90 since 2017-18 like that's that's a long period of time without any decent level of production I'm probably looking at the Middle East, China possibly possibly South America because South America does have a thing about taking you know obviously he's Brazilian by origin if not by nationality now there have been moves back to South yeah. America like Dani Alves that have been really successful. MLS has gone all young, hasn't it? They don't they don't do this as much yeah. anymore. Yeah, M- MLS is is putting a huge premium now on the development of young players and to be fair, it's doing a really really good job, particularly in defense at the moment. There are some some excellent prospects in MLS doing a really good coming job through, but that. also in, yeah. you know, attacking midfield people like Brandon Aronson. So I think I can't see him going somewhere where you know youth is a, a particular focus i can't see him having enough quality to to really make an impact for a, a, a top five european club anymore but at the same time that doesn't mean it's not going to happen because players with that kind of cachet that personality and the history that he has in the game 
does mean that moves like that do seem to happen, even if they don't make a great deal of sense. Yeah. Well, just FYI, Diego Costa does have his own discipline and controversy section on Wikipedia. So <laughs> that's, that's never a great thing with a player. We'll move on from Diego Costa now. And hmm, where should we go? Uh, spinning a finger around. Let's tell you what. Let's do about a Freikost at Wolfsburg. Tell me about this player, Alex, please. So he's somebody I think is really fun. <laughs> so he started life in the Eredivisie and since 2016-17 when he moved to AZ Alkmaar he's been really consistent in terms of his output both goals but also assists he's very tall he's 6 foot 6 so he's obviously good in the air but there's something there's something sort of yeah creepy creepy in a sex museum <laughs> um <laughs> No, that's not... no. I don't mean that. I'm, I'm I not we're saying. We're going to get that. a letter of complaint now. Um, but there's something a little bit, um, and this is going to sound like a lazy analogy, um, because they're both tall. But there's something slightly Peter Crouchy about him. He's not built like a brick shit house. He's kind of willowy, and he's also surprisingly good in terms of his his control, his link up play. He makes these nice little touches to to bring Wolfsburg's wider attacking players in so although he does score a lot of goals in the air that is far from all he does and he's consistent you know he's he's put up really good returns consistently over the last five years so he's I mean Wolfsburg are fourth in the Bundesliga currently they're enjoying a particularly good season they've got uh, Schlager there in in midfield who's somebody I really like and they've they've got a good relationship together but he could very easily move to a Premier League side. Somebody who needs a striker that can feed off crosses, but can also work well in tight spaces with link-up play, holds the ball up well. Well, Wolves. Let's say Wolves again. Yeah, but I think the problem with that is, is like Seb was saying before, you know, Wolves know that they've got the best striker in the Premier League outside of the top six, um, or the big yeah. six. He, he is, th- I mean, uh, uh, Jimenez is... Isn't he thirty though? Twenty nine. It's twenty nine. Okay, sorry. Yeah, but it's it's a difficult one for Wolves because obviously he's been he's been integral to to how they've performed, and the circumstances of his injury mean I think that Wolves could look a little bit callous if they started their succession planning now, even though that's slightly unfair. So, I mean, potentially if we're talking about the summer, that sort of move could make sense. I'm not sure if if Veghorst is necessarily quite good enough in terms of his link-up to work with people like Podence and Neto. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a possibility. Um, I, I think he could do well at somewhere like Spurs, personally. Yeah. Okay. Can I say, uh, I don't want to extend the, 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 the creepy and the sex museum thing uh, in any meaningful way, but the main thing I, I got from watching the Wolves-United game the other day was Pedro Neto is very attractive anyone agree yeah you're very very handsome man absolutely <laughs> uh, since he shaved that beard off and i can see the man's face and i thought look at that face also like i feel good for him as well because he went through that period last season where everything that he did well got cancelled by var somehow everything that happened to him right. that was good <laughs> yeah. got overruled and, and yeah, that was it's like the the universe is gradually paying him back had that lovely last-minute goal against Chelsea a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and he played very well against Spurs, I think. I'm just upset about people that are 20 or under and can grow a beard, you know? Yeah. 
30 years old. No beard. Can't, no can't beard. grow a beard. No. Did you want to talk about Valt Veghorst, Seb? I was going to recommend him for West Ham. I think... Well, that's interesting. He would be... He's a very David Moyes type player. I also... I think Could he West, play with Heller? I don't think so. I don't think he'd have to replace him. Uh, the thing I, I don't like about Heller is that he's a bit lightweight. He's... I don't want to say soft, but he's a bit finesse-ish for the Premier League, I think. I think he'll score goals somewhere, <laughs> but I think as a focal point, if you remember back to the end of last season when, as an emergency, West Ham had to play Michael Antonio as a as a number nine, really. And you yeah, saw yeah, sort yeah. of not only how much more of a punch they carried in the final third, but also how well some of those other players reacted to him. Vickers and, and yeah. uh, Antonio aren't the same kind of player. Uh, Antonio is much more mobile, much more active. But in terms of providing a focal point, because there's a lot of good players around that area. And I think you have to, at some point, defer to that and make sure that you're getting the most out of them. Um, and I'm not sure Hilaire is the way to do that or necessarily to score a lot of goals in the Premier League. So I like that. He's probably a bit old, though. I think uh, had he been two or three years younger, I think a Premier League team would have been happier paying the kind of money that's going to be required to, uh, to sign him. Okay, well, that's four players. We've got lots more on the list, but we're going to do do this a few more times in, in January. There is currently a community post uh, live on uh, TIFO's YouTube. So if you're a subscriber on your phone and you flick through your timeline or, or you go straight to the TIFO page on YouTube and go to the community tab, you'll see it. You'll be able to add comments there. So if you want to add players for us to discuss, please do so there. Alternatively, you can tweet uh, directly at TIFO or at uh, Seb or me or Alex, um, and we'll uh, we'll put the players' names into the list for consideration to discuss later in uh, in the month. Probably should go without saying, uh, related to these podcasts and to these videos, uh, January's an odd time normally, and uh, in the middle of a pandemic, it's very unusual. So we're not uh, you know expecting there to be lots of transfers done, but that doesn't mean that we can't assess the teams and, and think about what might be good for for the summer. So take everything with a, a little pinch of summer salt mm. anyway uh seb thanks very much to you thank you very much joe and thanks also to you alex stewart thanks joe uh, we'll be back uh, on thursday with more of the same uh, and until then au revoir <laughs>